Good afternoon, traders. Are you guys ready for another stock market movers? Let's go ahead. Let's dive on into today's show. I'm going to talk about today the Fed Beige Book coming out at 2 p.m. Fed interest rate outlook. What are we looking at? The Fed talk that was out there today. Far out Apple event. Oil prices down. NIO. Newell, Copa Software, ChargePoint, Rocket Lab, Google, Tencent, and Ubisoft. We'll touch a little bit on MoviePass, Market Sentiment, and Figs Short Report. We'll talk a little bit. Uh, we got our guest today. We'll be joined by Matt Orton, CFA, Chief Market Strategist at Carlton Tower Advisors. And then, of course, we got Ben Axler, founder and CIO spruce point capital management coming back on excited to hear about the new short report and we'll go ahead and find out what he thinks about figs or what does spruce point think about figs let's stay tuned joining on in you guys know where you're at stock market movers i'm your host money mitch and let's dive in to today's show there are three ways to make a living in this business be first be smarter or cheap I can't help you cheat, but I can give you the informational edge to help you succeed in the markets. Welcome to Stock Market Movers. All the market moving headlines and expert opinions every day. They say money is the oxygen of capitalism, and I want to breathe more than any man alive. All right, let's get it going. Can't find the show, JD? Well, I'm sorry about that. Uh, there you guys have it. It should be on up here for you, starting on up. Let me know what you guys see it now. If you guys are having trouble uh, finding the show, like always, I'm sorry about it. I'm probably a couple minutes late there. was making sure that I had everything for you guys getting ready for the show today. Uh, let's get into it. Do you guys see the topics there? Let's dive into some of these. Now, the first one up is going to be about the Fed Beige Book, right? It's going to be coming on out. I do want to go ahead and let you guys know the time. I know a lot of people probably didn't catch the time today. And really, this covers what? Economic condition, right? And I think this is why a lot of people will be paying attention today to see what happens when that release of the U.S. Federal Beige Book comes out. What happens to the markets then, right? That's going to be at 2 p.m., so don't miss that. I think you could see some swings in the market as you get that to come on in. And, of course, what is this going to be about? Well, it's going to show us that probably the economy is looking well. And what does that actually show? Well, that actually shows probably potential downside risk, right, as the Fed uh, comes more along with the talk of increasing those interest rates to fight inflation with a strong economy that can keep raising those interest rates as long as they don't see any really de uh, deterioration to the markets. I mean, they're not really worried about the stock market. They're worried about inflation. They go ahead and uh, stated that multiple times. That's really what happened with Jerome Powell at Jackson Hole is we took off that whole flipping of the policy here. And for right now, the biggest thing and the focus is to get inflation back to where? 2%, right? And this is one thing that we need to keep watch. Are they going to stick towards that 2%? But the probability is definitely going on up um, for the hike rate here in the FOMC meeting coming on up here in September. And the probability is now showing what? Well, the probability is going up towards a three-quarter 
point hike rate, of course, 75 basis points uh, is what we're looking at. And now it's looking like 82 percent, according to the CME group, is stating that the 75 basis points is in play. Is really a full base, a full hundred in play here? I don't think it's in play here. And so one thing that I would just keep on watch is if we do get 50, of course, that would be a little bit different of the outlook. I think it's already kind of assumed that it will be the 75 basis points. And so I think the market has already somewhat priced this in. I think it started pricing this in after Jackson Hole Summit uh, and Symposium. And so now what we're going to do is going to keep on watch what happens going further from that. That's what everyone's watching. Everyone's watching what happens in 2023. Do we start showing up on the CME watch tool group that we're actually seeing hikes there or do we see the cutting of the policy? This is definitely something that we're all watching in the Fed. What is going to come in 2023 is definitely the talk. A lot of people are thinking that they're going to be either cutting or flipping the policy going into 23. That's something that I think is still left unsaid and something that we need to keep watch. Of course, what's going to determine that? It's probably going to be inflation. And do we get into that recession or not? All right. Getting out of this Fed talk, of course, there was some Fed talk uh, today. And so if you guys caught some comments out there, uh, Fed uh, Meister said not not convinced inflation has peaked yet. Neither am I. I'm still in that camp either. Um, We just don't know, really. I think, you know, one CPI report isn't enough or one PCE report isn't enough. We need multiple, multiple pointing towards 2%. And I don't think even uh, like, let's say pointing to 6% is really going to do much. But it's something that at least show us that we're going in the right direction, right? Uh, Brainyard says that risk will become more two-sided at some point, And the Fed is in for as long as it takes to curb inflation. Of course, comments that we kind of already have heard, but some things that we need to keep on watch. Will they really try to fight inflation down to 2% or will they kind of flip policy as they see inflation heading to 2%? That's really the talk I think that we need to pay attention to and see if we get mentions of this, of course, from Fed Chair Jerome Powell after the FOMC meeting. That's what I'll be watching. All right. Later today, of course, uh, you guys have the Apple event. And I know that a lot of people are watching Apple today to see if it would get that move on up. Let's take a look at Apple. Um, It did wash out right here out the gates there. It kind of trapped a couple of people. Uh, I know that I was in the live trading stream so I could see people just getting trapped on that first move. Now you're seeing Apple trying to recover, get back above that 155 as you're already deep into the event, right? It started at 1 p.m. Eastern. Um, One thing to kind of uh, state here is also what's going to be announced at that far out event. So um, this is going to be, of course, new, well, expected to be new iPhone 14 models, uh, the Apple Watch Series 8, Apple Watch Pro, and AirPods Pro 2. One thing that I'll state is, and it just kind of blows me away, is how Apple is able to re-release products almost yearly or bi-yearly, let's say every two years, and they're the same product, just maybe an update to the software and usually not many hardware changes. I mean, always looking kind of the same, right? The iPhone has looked like the same, I think, since I would say probably the iPhone 4 or the iPhone 5. Um, But hey, 
to each his own. I mean, Apple definitely sells these iPhones like it's water, right? I mean, I heard someone mention the iPhone's a consumer staple. <laughs> well, yeah, in the branding, it's kind of like a consumer staple nowadays. Uh, but definitely Apple rising. We'll see what happens out, out of the far out event. All right, but that's enough talk on Apple's event. Let's go ahead and dive into our first interview today. Like always, that's what Stock Market Movers is all about. You know, one thing is I can point to directions, flagging here, flagging there, but there's nothing like getting to the expert opinions out there. So let's dive into our first interview today. All right, let's go ahead. Let's bring on Matt Orton here, CFA and Chief Market Strategist at Carlton Tower Advisor. And did I say that? What is it? Carlton? Close. You're close. Uh, Carillon. Carillon. All right. I just want to make sure we got to get that right there. So welcome to the show, Matt. First time on. Great to have you on. It's great to be here. All right, let's dive on in. Uh, first thing I want to talk about, of course, is what have we really seen change, right? You probably caught a little bit of the comments that I was looking at earlier, but you know, are you in the camp that sees that quick pivot? I mean, I know a lot of people were in this camp, especially even before Jackson Hole. Are you in that camp now? I'm not. I think just like you commented before I came on, the, the idea that inflation running at 8% is, is going to suddenly come down to two very, very quickly, I think is pretty far-fetched. And so the reaction from the market after the July FOMC meeting, I thought was, was kind of confusing. Nothing to me from that meeting read dovish pivot in any way, shape, or form. If anything, I was already starting to get hints of, of higher for longer after that meeting. So Jackson Hole, in a way, really was not a surprise at all to me. Uh, if anything, Powell did exactly what he had to do. He had to reset market expectations that the Fed isn't going to pivot. There's still a lot of work that has to be done to bring down inflation. And that in order to do so, they're probably going to have to leave rates higher for a more prolonged period of time. Of course, we don't know what that higher number is. We don't know what the terminal Fed funds rate is going to be. And we also don't know how long it's going to take to get there. Um, I do think looking at some of the most recent data, and again, a couple data points does not make a trend, which is why the Fed still can't take its foot off of off of the break. Uh, we're at least seeing some signs of encouragement, and especially last week's jobs report. That was the last piece where we really hadn't seen any sort of normalization or signs of light at the end of the tunnel in terms of hitting peak inflation. But we started to see more people participating in the labor market, especially prime age working level um, individuals. That was very good. Wage growth started to roll over a little bit. So from the Fed's perspective, that is good news. Of course, news out of Europe um, had something else to say about where the market was going to go that day. But at least we're moving in the right direction with the recent data. We're going to get more this week. We get CPI next week. And, and that in the totality of everything, I think that will give us an estimate of what the Fed's actually going to do at the meeting later this month. Now, some of the talk that we were talking about in uh, one of our morning shows, pre-market prep that I host also, is the thought of inflation really being put down towards 2%, really. And so one of the topics that we were talking about, would there be kind of a new norm of inflation? Let's say maybe 4%. 
Um, do you think that this could possibly happen where we actually just change our outlook on that 2% outlook and we start holding towards a higher percent of inflation? I really don't think so. I mean, it, I think historical context is also useful because up until COVID, we were having challenges getting above 2% on inflation. People, not enough money was circulating around the system and being spent. Europe and Japan had the same types of problems. And so to, to think that the world has that radically changed, I don't really think there's any evidence of that yet. Uh, we're coming out of such a dislocated period at which there, there's really no historical precedent for shutting down an entire global economy we're working through a lot of these challenges. And so I don't think we're going to move the goalpost. I do think there's going to be some flexibility with how long it takes us to get to that 2% level. I don't think the Fed's going to need to keep its foot hard on the brakes until we get to 2%. I think they can start to ease off when we see meaningful and consistent signs that it's moving in the right direction. Um, but we're not there yet. All right. So, of course, uh, here comes the question that is probably asked upon the most right now in financial media. Will we break through the June lows? That's yeah, the, the two trillion dollar question right yeah. now. The price action last week has me a little bit more concerned when I talk to our clients. I'm advocating extreme caution in this sort of market environment. But my base case is still that we don't break through the June lows. 3850 is kind of the technical level on the S&P 500 that I have is, is resistance that if we break through that, the probability of retesting or maybe moving below the June lows increases meaningfully. But the rally we're having today is encouraging. Uh, if real rates can stop parabolically moving higher, I think that gives the market the ability to find some footing. Um, and hopefully, once we get past September 21st and we get past the Fed meeting, I think the risks are skewed to the upside. Because when you look at the actual fundamental picture of the market, earnings have continued to hold in there. I don't think we need to have massive adjustments to earnings estimates going forward. We already have had some meaningful estimates that just haven't meaning at meaningful estimate reductions that haven't gotten a lot of attention. And I think the fact that company margins are holding up very well, the consumer hasn't rolled over in aggregate yet, the fact that we are starting to see signs of peaking inflation, all of that to me is encouraging. And if as a long-term investor, even if we do break through the June lows, if nothing changes to that overall fundamental picture, it's a great opportunity to start getting in and picking your spots and making sure that you have equity exposure because the risks and reward are definitely skewed to the upside from there. So I advocate for using meaningful downside opportunistically. If you can withstand some of the pain, use downside moves in the market to your advantage to make sure that, that you're allocated and have exposure to the equity market going forward. Now, the next area that I want to talk about is I've been hearing more and more focus on GARP plays, really. Um, can you maybe explain to us really what, for our newer investors, what GARP is and if you see any plays out there that kind of more fit the bill? Absolutely. So, so GARP stands for growth at a reasonable price. Uh, so, so it kind of embodies elements of both value and growth investing because valuation is central for GARP to work. So you're, you're not overpaying for growth. And so there's GARP actually has been working this year. And people say growth is dead or growth hasn't worked. I like to pause a little bit and say, well, expensive growth hasn't worked. 
growth at a reasonable price this year has actually outperformed the broader market because as recessionary concerns increase, the only way you're going to get growth better than the economy is to invest in companies that are rapidly growing, but not overpaying for it. So that valuation element is really, really important. And my favorite way right now to get exposure to GARP is through the healthcare sector, uh, especially larger cap healthcare companies. Uh, because when you think about the US alone, I mean, you have an aging population uh, with more and more chronic diseases, it, that, that, that's, that's a ripe area for just natural organic growth and, and the need for more and more technology to help bring down the cost of actually providing care. There's potential for disruption, potential for innovation. So healthcare is a really good natural growth part of the market and healthcare itself doesn't trade at a very expensive um, valuation relative to the market. I think valuations are very, very reasonable. And within healthcare, HMOs, managed care companies, those are areas that, that have been posting you know, mid-double-digit earnings and revenue growth quarter after quarter, beating and raising guidance quarter after quarter. To me, that's a great consistent area that has earnings, it has free cash flow. That's where I want to be right now because it plays a little bit of defense, but when the market moves, you're still invested in companies that have growth characteristics. Love it there. Definitely. And I think this is definitely a time where, you know, sometimes we have, you know, those ripping rallies like 2020 and, you know, you don't really think about fundamentals that often, but in this type of market, I feel like this is the time if you're definitely a new trader or investor out there, this is the time when you really need to kind of learn how to deep dive into those financials so that you can find those GARP plays and maybe potentially find yourself a nice winner there. Now, last thing I wanna leave off is I wanna give you a little bit more of a window here. Matt, is there something that maybe investors are missing out there, you feel they might be missing? Um, is there any opportunities out there? I think there's just too much pessimism in the market right now. I mean, sometimes I'll walk into a room with, with clients or prospects and I'm literally the only potentially, you know, moderately bullish person in the room. Yeah. So, you know, I, I joke, it's fashionable to be bearish right now. Everything you hear is we're heading to a recession. Earnings have to come down. Things just don't look good. But when you actually go out, I get coffee in the morning. If I go to Dunkin' Donuts or to Starbucks, you know, there, there's, very, very long lines and high wait times to get drinks. I still see people out and about spending money. You know, I, I think that the fact that people aren't spending as much on stuff doesn't mean that there's not going to continue to spend on services. So, so people are still spending money in this economy. And what I'd like to leave the viewers with is until the labor market starts to roll over, I think a lot of the recession calls are overstated. There's certainly risks that the economy is slowing down, but it doesn't necessarily mean recession is a foregone conclusion, or if we move into one that it has to be severe or protracted or anything like we saw in 2008. So with that in mind, you know, it makes sense to play defense right now in the market, lean into GARP, lean into higher quality companies that actually have earnings. But when the market moves lower, let the market come to you, but start to find areas that, that have maybe a little bit growthier, higher octane areas like small cap. So you at least have some exposure for when things do start to move in the other direction, but never get too bearish because things can change very, very quickly. Just as 21 changed into this year, we can see a change back just as quickly. 
Well, thank you for coming on. It's been a great one. Appreciate you coming on. Matt Oren, CFA, Chief Market Strategist at Carillon Tower Advisors. Appreciate you coming on. Great to be here. Thank you. Thank you, Matt. That was a great interview there. I definitely got some good things to kind of keep an eye out for. And that's really why I do this, right? Is that, you know, there's one thing that, you know, I could take a look at certain things that I'm looking at, but there's nothing like getting to the experts out there that this is what they do. This is what they do best is looking at these plays and, and thinking about it. That's why I always love, especially market strategists, because that's, that's what I try to do essentially here at Benzinga, right? Is try to keep us in the right outlook here so that you guys can go ahead and make your investment decisions, but at least you guys know where to look at, right? And so that's really why we do stock market movers is to try to get to the expert opinions to keep you guys in the informational edge. So if you guys enjoyed that just as much as I did, please smash up those thumbs on up and I'll make sure that we get Matt Orton's uh, Twitter in the description because, Hey, I got to follow Matt. I really like that interview. Let's keep going here. Let's get into the next one. Let's start talking about some topics on out there. Let's get into what was hot and what was not what's moving in the market today. Let's start diving on into it. All right. So the first thing we wanted to talk about, we already went through Apple now let's talk about oil prices slumping right now. And you can easily take a look at this by, you know, maybe you're taking a look at, you know, maybe uh, you're looking at oil and gas kind of plays on out there. Um, but, you know, one of the ones that we've been watching is ExxonMobil, right? And so we're looking at this area around the 95s. That's really when I want to see it kind of hold. That's where we had this breakout area where we saw it go back towards 100, right? And so we're looking to see if these supports are going to hold. Now, I've been starting to see some more closing right by this level here. And so it starts to actually kind of playing in here. And so one of the things that we want to start doing is drawing where we should actually hold, right? And so if you kind of see here in the last kind of four hours, we really kind of been going closer towards this kind of 9330s, but kind of holding up here. We want to see if this 9330s holds. We definitely don't want to see a move to 90. I'm looking for a move back up towards 95 if you're a bull in the oil game, right? But oil prices keep slumping, right? And if you take a look, you know, at, you know, maybe WTI is what you like to look at. Um, you know, I like to focus on West Texas Intermediate um, just because I, I feel like that's better to kind of follow, but you guys can watch also some oil funds. And you can see here with kind of the output that's been recently put out. So the U.S. crude output to rise 540,000 barrels per day to 11.79 million barrels in 2022 versus the rise of 610,000 barrels forecasted last month. Um, so the rise is definitely going on up. And if you take a look at the outlooks going into 23, there's more and more production coming to the market. So more supply. Of course, demand here is the one that comes into question because lockdowns like we're going on in China really affect the price of oil. So a lot of why oil prices came down were because of what? Demand destruction. And so it's really not the case of supply anymore. Supply is actually coming on to the markets a little bit more right now. It's more about the case of demand. Is that demand going to keep coming back? Is it, are we going to get a spike? You know, and that's what I think we're watching for to see what happens in oil. But like always, we just don't know right now. One thing that I am doing is keep an eye on Oxy. I want to see what happens with Warren. Is this the time that Warren starts dipping his toes? 
That's what I'll be paying attention to to find on out. Of course, you're going to have to look at the forms as he goes ahead and going to be. He has to state when he takes the buy about two days. Uh, he has two days to go ahead and make that kind of request on out there to kind of let us know the form, right? And so when he goes ahead and takes that, I'll keep watch. Uh, definitely has been a pullback in these oil markets, and it's been tough trade. It's an, it hasn't been easy since the recent kind of topping. Of course, that happened just a while back. But we'll see what happens with these. They're definitely pulling back today, though. All right, getting out of the oil stocks, let's go to what was hot and what was not. And then we'll go towards our earnings stocks. We've got Coupa to talk about, NIO, and then also some cut guidance from Newell Brands. But let's go into what was hot and what was not. So what was hot and what was not? Let's take a look. Utilities leading us up. Um, if you take a look here, I always try to pay attention to the percent of the change daily. So we're going to work our way here to take a look at these stocks. So utilities getting a nice little push on up. Stocks like NEE, stocks like Duke making a nice little step on up. Uh, you guys know I've been talking about this Excel for a time. I really like this setup that it had. Now it's taken off. I'm going to be looking for a move to 77. And then from there, looking to see if we can get through the highs. If you take a look here, this has been really strong. It has a weekly high coming into kind of the 76 89 range we'll try to see if it gets to 77 and goes to 78 this is one that i'm watching right now por is another one that i'll give you guys that is kind of lagging a little bit that just got the move on up today i'll keep an eye out on this one this is portland General electric and also i've been talking about the regulated gas plays right so if we're expecting gas to come up in pricing maybe these are some of the plays that you guys can watch cnp is one i'll give you uh, this is uh, not going to move as fast as some of the uh, natural gas plays, like if you're playing just UNG, but it will give you kind of the similar exposure here. Centerpoint Energy is one that I'm keeping an eye on. Uh, there's NI, NI Source. This one is interesting as it comes back towards the 32. You can see here it kind of pushed on up through the trend line, came back. Let's see if it throws back towards 32. This is one that I'll keep on mind. A leader, leader right here, NFE. Take a look at this one. This has made a huge ramp on up, has pulled back a little bit. Let's say the leader comes back through that 60. All right, that's enough for the regulated gas stocks. Healthcare stocks are some area to keep on watch. Medical care is definitely an area that you guys can watch here. HCA getting some lift here today. Um, but it's not just one industry, right? This shows us all industries making a nice little move on up. Some biotech names, getting some lift. Gilead, Moderna up 2.6. Uh, Regenron up 3.5. So definitely these getting some little push on up. Another one that I wanted to keep on were the major ones, right? We just heard uh, right now, we just talked with Matt Orton. And Matt Orton, what did he talk about? He talked about maybe some of the bigger healthcare providers being those GARP plays, right? So maybe a J&J. &J. This setup looks interesting to me as it's pulled on back here towards the support. You can see it on the weekly, how this is kind of support around this area, 160s, 161. Let's see if it comes back towards that 170. Not a bad one to keep on watch and just kind of call out the biggest moves on there today. You got Lily moving on up, staying up at the top range. Um, Bristol Myers had a down gap. Let's see if it fills it up on the upside move here towards 71. We'll see what happens there. All right, getting out of the talk on the healthcare, let's keep going. What's going on in the chat? I want to catch up with you guys. 
Okay, but how is demand down and supply up? Well, Roland, I'll talk. I just kind of mentioned that. Really, what it is is that we're pushing more of these oil producers. They're doing what? They're trying to get as much oil out as possible right now, and that is increasing the supply. Even though we hear mentions of OPEC plus cutting production, what's really probably going on is these oil companies are pumping as much as possible to try to keep getting the up and selling oil up at $85, $86 a barrel. It's still making profit for them, right? They're not going to be able to cut down the production until probably they don't see that profit being worth it. And right now at 85, it's still worth it to them, right? When will that be that number on the downside where they get to the point where they cut some production? That's what I'd be kind of paying attention to. All right. So uh, consumer cynical is a, a third leading sector on the day. What is moving up here? Well, you got some restaurants moving on up, recreational vehicles, home furnishing. So looks like a reopening play on also today, lodging up today, Hilton up 2%. But will this kind of keep going and holding? I'm not so positive. One that I really liked was Ross yesterday. It had a really nice daily setup here for a move back up towards 91. And it was a really nice setup off of the 85. Today, you actually went below 85 here. You, ah, well, I, I won't call that kind of cut down in pre-market that cut. It got to 86.41s, but really took off about 4.4%. And this is one that I'm watching also with TJX. Look at TJX get some lead here today. So these are companies that you guys can keep watch, right? These cheaper retailer names. Now it has all the moving averages below. TJX, Ross moving side by side and looking good today. So keep these ones on your radar. We'll see what happens with these plays. Oh, all right, just kind of keeping on. I, well, the numbers show we're not, so you consider your sources. Uh, China lockdown, EU, US uh, pushing EV plugins. What's going on out there, guys? Uh, Jay talking about all because of oil. Yeah, oil will really bring it down. I think the current wisdom is saying oil below 60 will cause lower production. Yeah, that's not a bad outlook, right? I, I kind of just mentioned that, like what will be the down price in oil where they start cutting that production? So keep it in mind. We'll see what happens there. Not a bad comment there. All right, let's keep going here. What was getting hit on the downside? Well, oil was getting hit on the downside, but it's bouncing back here, guys. Even though it's down on the overall, it's unchanged since the open. So we've made our way back. We've clawed our way back here from the open. And that's what matters sometimes. Sometimes it's just about clawing your way back. And not seeing big down days, big big red days, right? So energy is definitely weak. Communication services is kind of eh, so-so, uh, not looking too bad. I mean, T-Mobile did push up through that resistance that we were looking at uh, around the 143. It was a support that was supposed to act as resistance if this was cracking towards the 140. And it came right back into that price zone. But not stocks that I really look at. Technology. Um, we're going to look at Coop in a little bit, but I was watching NVIDIA today. Where are we going to close into the green? Was this going to be the stock that held the technology play to the upside? And I feel like we got that little push right out the gates. It dropped really fastly, washing some of those bulls out. But now you're getting that move right back up. This should help on out the Qs get back up there. So the Qs pushing on well here today. AMD pushing on well here. So NVIDIA has just been my signal here. For technology, when I saw NVIDIA moving, 
I'd be looking at these tech names. So that's why you could probably watch Sox L continuing that lift here. Talked about this one on live trading that it would set on up. And then you're starting to see some other tech names, right? Getting some big push. Look at this STM right back on up there too. And so you guys can keep your eyes on these. There's definitely some bigger plays making moves on up. QCOM. So technology, having a strong day, bouncing back today. It's not, you know, a massive rip where it's, you know, gotten back all the losses. No, but a little bounce back is in uh, charge here. And you're getting that nice little bounce back day after you look like you were going to crack it in the pre-market. And what did you know it? Some sideways action here around the 390s and 400. All right, we'll see what happens in technology, if it can end the day going into the green and stay into the green. But let's go to Coop here, which is one of our biggest leaders on the day, up about 15.46%. Coopa Software, let's talk about those numbers. All right, let's get into that. Uh, Coopa Software here coming in with some EPS at 20 cents here beating the nine cent estimate sales at 211 million beating the 204.2 million estimate and sees q3 adjusted eps at eight cents to 10 cents on the high end versus the six cent estimate so raising the guidance there and also a slight in line level here for the sales at 211 million to 214 million on the high side versus the 214 0.06 million estimate, but a raise on that EPS looking good here. Coop getting some lift here in the pre-market. Um, well, after hours yesterday, and then continuing the lift here into the intraday. And now it's trying to hold above this 64.25. It's gone up here multiple times. It got up here on 9.45 candle and 10 a.m. candle, but no closing up there. Let's see if we get that step up and it makes the move to 66. Not a bad looking stock here, software application name, getting some huge bounce and now has some good levels to go off of. A uh, good amount of volume in there today also. We'll see if it can close above 63.37. That would be a bullish look for me. We'll see what happens there on Coupa Software. All right, catching up with the chat. What's going on out there? You guys are talking about LabU. Not a bad one to think about it. What's interesting is TANS ripping, usually considered an alternative to fossil fuel. Uh, fossil fuels. Let's talk about the solar names, right? Solar names are ripping on up. We just went over Coop. I'll get into NIO in a second here. Let's get back there. I, I didn't touch it on technology, even though it, it was having a really big day, right? Solar leading industry, right? We always try to look at the leading industries. Here you guys see it from the open. This is actually up just as much as it is overall, 6.87% the industry. And what went up there? Well, SunPower having an awesome day there, giving us some insight was ENPH yesterday. I talked about this level that it looked like it was going to get to 300 yesterday as we made this move back to 290. ENPH ripping on up there to the 310s now. And big, big chart here. This is a nice pattern here. When you see patterns like this, that's where I want to really kind of pay attention to. They did have this gap zone below it. So that's why I was worried if it would come back into that zone. But when we recovered yesterday, that gave me the insight. Of course, I was looking also at SEBG. Look how that one's on up now, really pushing strong here, this solar edge technology. So solar really getting some lift today. Run, getting some lift. EMP8, Sun W. Uh, this one's actually in play. You know, keep it on watch. This one loves to run. 
So we'll see if this one can get into play and really trying to give the, that next lift up. But also major players like JKS, First Solar, really continuing kind of the push. And First Solar has been taking off, guys, really taking off recently. I mean, look at that move. A lot of this, what? Inflation Reduction Act kind of pushing these solar stocks to the next level. We'll see what happens there as they keep pushing on up. And solar having a great day there. It really is. All right. Well, let's go ahead. Let's keep going. Let's go to NIO now. NIO is one that isn't doing so well right now, but got some pop here. You know, you can see here in the, in the morning, it got hit down and then recovered really well here right out the open. Now has this been going sideways though? Just to kind of mention that, let's look at NIO's numbers here. EPS loss of 20 cents, missing the loss of 17 cent estimated sales 1.53 billion beating the 1.43 billion estimate they did lower down their guidance um so kind of keep an eye out on that they're lowering their guidance even on the high end and the one thing that leads to point to the positive their vehicle deliveries increase 14.4 percent year over year but they do see 31,000. Uh, vehicles to 33,000 vehicles delivered in Q3. We'll see if they're able to meet this as Q2 was only 25,059 units. Let's see if they're able to meet this. Now, one thing that gave me a little bit more insight that uh, you could get that downside action in NIO was XPEV, right? The other kind of automaker. And you can see here, this one has been really just getting pounded on in recent weeks. And so that's why I'm kind of pointing towards these because NIO doesn't look nowhere near as bad as XPEV. Of course, they kind of missing here, but LI doing the same move. I'd watch for these to kind of follow. I look at all three of them. A lot of the times there's one that's leading to the downside or the upside. XPEV here leading to the downside. I keep my eye on that one to see if you're going to get a little bounce in NIO. We'll see what happens there. XPEV. All right, in a second, we're going to get into our next interview here. We're going to go ahead and get into an interview with Spruce Capital, um, Spruce Point Capital. Excited to talk about uh, kind of a short report that just came out. And it's, you know, one of the things that's always exciting is that you're always going to get some kind of swings in the market. There's always something new, right? And so whenever these kind of short reports get put out there, one thing that I like to do is just start actually diving deep into them, right? So that you can understand what Spruce Capital, uh, what Spruce Point Capital sees themselves, right? Because one thing is, you know, what they see, and then you can yourself go and do the research to see if the things add up to what, you know, clearly Spruce Point is putting out there. And that's what I always try to pay attention to when I get into these short reports. It's not necessarily, you know, that I need to go shorting this. It's more along, let me do my own research and see if it coexists. Do we both see the same thing? If we both see the same thing, that's when, I, of course, I'll go start looking at some of these stocks to maybe go ahead and get into a short myself. But let's go ahead. Let's get into it here. Like always, guys, we're going to go ahead and talk about here. This is not financial advice. This is educational purposes only. But we will be diving into a little bit more deeper dive into the short report. We'll take a look at figs coming on up. Let's go ahead. Let's dive into our next interview here as we get Ben Axler, founder and CIO, on with us right here on Stock Market Movers.
All right, let's bring on Ben here. Ben Axler, founder and CIO of Spruce Point Capital Management. Glad to have you back on, Ben. I'm glad to be here. Thank you for your interest in our work. Definitely. You know, one of the things is, uh, like always, I mean, we're all looking for uh, informational edge. That's the way I refer to it. And, and, you know, that's really where it comes from. You know, there's so many talking heads and, and different areas and noise out there in the market. There's truly nothing like information and when you can actually back a thesis, right? Because anybody can talk about an opinion, buy here, sell here, but there's nothing like it when you actually have a thesis to back it up. So let's dive into a little bit more on Spruce Point Capital Management here. You guys have a proven track record of calling uh, calls out there that are kind of more in the consumer side of things. I Recently, I remember the call on Oatly. Um, so congratulations on that one. Um, and, you know, this is something that, you know, we got to pay attention to because there's always going to be new kind of consumer stocks out there that kind of, you know, I would say not deceive, but definitely kind of mislead sometimes investors to thinking a different way about their company. So let's dive into figs here. First things first, tell us what did you guys see? that you guys saw that maybe misleading investors out there? Well, thanks. So you mentioned Oatly. I mean, this has a lot of the same characteristics. I mean, this, you know, Oatly sort of latched on to the plant-based milk fad and Figs, which is a, a maker of medical scrubs, had sort of a windfall and that we had COVID, right? And they took basically a commodity product and tried their best to make it a unique premium product by marketing to healthcare professionals that wanted something a little bit more comfortable, a little more stylish, different colors. Um, and also they made claims that uh, it had antimicrobial features that could uh, ward off infection and the spread, which uh, they've since retracted. But um, why do we like this as a short? I mean, we think the company now has no competitive advantages. So while they were first into the space, um, marketing premium scrubs. We now have dozens of others um, that have piggybacked on their success and are now offering very similar scrubs, similar colors, similar fit. So at the end of the day, you're dealing with a company that has basically one product in one market um, that others are entering. And so, you know, we don't like that, right? We, we, we're looking for companies that have sustainable advantages. Now, the company had strong profits during COVID. Now we're seeing those profits start to recede. We're starting to see the revenue growth rate come down and we're starting to see evidence that the company's subtly warning, you know, that profits can go to losses. Um, and, and so that, that really caught our, our attention. And then, you know, you asked specifically about what do we see that's exaggerated, right? We yeah. look at the revenue, we look at the revenue number, okay? When this was a private company, they had forecasted and said they had $100 million of revenues. And then when they filed to go public, um, they stated a revenue number of $50 million. So that's not, that's not just a rounding error. That's an extreme exaggeration of when they were private um, to inflate their prospects. There's also this aspect of the addressable market. When companies come public, they love, love to sell investors, you know, that there's a 10 or 20 or $100 billion market. Um, we kind of deconstruct that and look really just at the, you know, the people, the healthcare professionals that can use it. And we come up with more of a, a $5 billion number. Okay. And so that, that, uh, you know, in context of the company's current market cap of $2 billion and a 3% market share, you know, we think that's wildly overvalued. And then last point, uh, before you stop me, you know, Oatly, we had mentioned a company that embellished its numbers by 
misclassifying certain expenses to make their gross margins look better. Um, we think uh, FIGS is doing the same thing. We think they're taking distribution costs, putting it in an operating expense, but when you move it up to cost of sales, you know, their gross margins are dramatically lower. And a lot of the stock promoters want you to think that they have margins on par with uh, Lululemon, and that's just not the case. So, you know, we're doing that old fashioned work, trying to come up with an informational advantage. We see signs of financial stress here with the inventories ballooning and the revenue coming down um, and a management team that um, is prone to exaggerating and inflating numbers. And that's just not a team we want to invest in. We think it's overvalued and, we're, you know, we're shorted. Definitely. So I got there, no competitive advantage, uh, the revenue concerns there. Now, I did see recently, of course, and I'm sure a lot of investors caught it also, was billionaire investor Ron Barron, right, talking about figs. And he made comments as you haven't heard much about it, but you will soothe. He called it the Lululemon of healthcare, right? Um, was he more right or wrong here? And why would you think so? Well, I mean, with all due respect to, to Ron Barron, he's, he's got a great long-term track record, but, you know, we think uh, we think he's wrong. I mean, we've shorted some other stocks he's been a little bit overly optimistic about in the past. Um, you can look at Caesar Stone, CSTE. Um, we were shorting that in the 70s um, when he was buying it. Um, look, I mean, uh, you know, you can look at Mr. Barron's records. He, he was buying the stock in the 30s. Um, and the company um, has been around for over a decade, okay, bear in mind. And in fact, uh, the previous uh, Lululemon CEO had invested, you know, in figs, but they cashed out um, years ago, well ahead of the IPO. So um, this notion that they're the next Lulu, I think, is aspirational. Uh, I, I would say, you know, after 10 years, you know, we don't believe they're anywhere close to Lululemon in terms of their uh, breadth of product, their distribution, their margins. I think it's a great way to sell 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 a stock idea and sell an opportunity, but uh, we think the reality is much uh, much different from um, the opportunity. Yeah, you know, one thing I always try to focus on is competitive advantage. That's really what it comes down to a lot of the times for me. Is and when I try to take a look at a company, is look at the competition and see do they truly have an advantage here? Right? Is there something that they're doing that a competitor can't? And right. so and what you're clearly telling us is there is that there is no sustainable competitive advantage here that maybe they might be in the limelight right now, but someone else could come in and do exactly what they're doing. Is that what you see, Ben? Yeah, I mean, look, I encourage everyone go to their website, look at the product, right? It's uh, it's a medical scrub. OK, it's uh, you know, what's the different what what possible points of differentiating could they have? Like maybe something a little bit more loose fitting, a different necktie, a different color. Um, but these are things that are easily copied. Um, you know, they claim to have a, a, a competitive advantage in sourcing from Asia. Well, you know, a lot of uh, apparel companies can source from Asia. There's no barriers to, to going, you know, for a competitor to go over to Asia and find a cheap source uh, of supply and a, and a manufacturing partner. So, again, I, I think uh, the, where the rubber hits the road here is that uh, the market's becoming saturated. They, uh, you know, they stopped disclosing their market share six months ago. That's a big thing. And, you know, the, we always look at the fine print. If you look at the forward looking statements, um, they retracted uh, a statement about um, future uh, profitable, uh, profitable growth. So, I mean, they're kind of giving you signs here uh, of, uh, of, of concern and, and the insiders are cashing out. And the co two co-founders just bought uh, large mansions in Beverly Hills and, uh, you know, sort of trophy properties. So, you know, we question their engagement. Um, we go to the career website. You can kind of see there's only... They're only hiring uh, maybe two, you know, 20 people. 
Um, this is not a company that's on the verge of becoming the next Lulu. Otherwise, they'd be hiring thousands of people, right? Um, they're, they're, they're not really growing much here. So um, you kind of look at all these data points and you, you kind of say, you know, at a four time, almost four times revenues here, um, a lot of other direct to direct to consumer peers, uh, you know, some of which are profitable are trading at, a, you know, 1.2 to 1.3 times revenues. You know, you put the same multiple uh, on this stock and, and you get 60 uh, percent downside. Yeah, that's what I was going to point to at the end, right, is what do you guys see the downside? And so you're saying there about 60 percent. Uh, that would bring it down somewhere, let's say, close towards five dollars, six dollars, and so we're looking at somewhere there. It's at eleven twenty-seven right now, so just kind of doing a little rough estimate to take a look at it. But this company has been going straight down since the beginning, right? It's not like this. This has been kind of a, a stock that you know has had you know even a pandemic run, right? I mean, uh, yeah. I think if this company would have came out maybe in the pandemic, maybe we would have been talking about some different pricing, but. It just IPO'd just last year, July, uh, June 27th, right? Um, yeah. Do you feel that this was kind of more of a, a timing issue on why they're not being so appreciated by the market? Or do you feel this is exactly what it is? It's just they're looking into the business and not seeing much. Yeah, I mean, look, we, this company would be private, we think, if not for the, you know, the pandemic and the story um, that they could sell here. I mean, we, we, you know, we've kind of point to the structure of the company, right? The that they brought in a CFO, a very seasoned, accomplished one from Domino's Pizza. He, he left le less than a year uh, right before the audit uh, would have to be done for the end of the year. He forfeited six million of compensation. You know, the current CFO, um, we think, has no other public company experience. Um, again, the two co-founders, you know, they now have vanity properties. We don't know how engaged they are. We just don't see this as a, a company that that is structured in a way that's going to you know, bring, uh, you know, future uh, revenue acceleration and profit acceleration and become that next Lulu that some people hope for. So um, we just kind of see this company, you know, again, we're forward looking, we're looking out 12 months, we're reading the tea leaves. Uh, we see a, pro a company that, that was making profits on the, that's going to be on the verge of losing money. Um, and when we think that happens is when you'll start to see that stock make fresh new lows here. Perfect. Now, the last thing, I'll just leave the window kind of open for you to talk about any other plays that you guys have put on short reports, uh, any, any updates you would like to give on Skechers, Generac, or maybe some other plays. Yeah, I mean, look, um, look since uh, since we last talked, obviously, the Fed has taken a more hawkish tone with markets. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, you really, um, I, I think, you know, the lows are not in for the market here. We are in an unprecedented period where uh, we've had a shock to the system with rates moving so high. And, you know, you really now have to discriminate against well-positioned companies that have defensible moats um, and ones that um, were short-term beneficiaries of COVID and or, you know, had some noise that made their stock um, go up. Now we're really going to be looking at, you know, who has real profits, who have real businesses, and what can, what can sustain a, a retrenchment of consumer spending and housing. I mean, you mentioned Gen Generac, obviously they make uh, residential generators, backup generators for homes. Well, you know, if your home value uh, is going down 10, 20%, that $10,000 discretionary generator isn't as attractive of a purchase, you know, as it was six months ago. And, and we've also had a pretty mild um, hurricane season here. So we're still, you know, we're still constructively negative and short on Generac. And uh, uh, anything, again, anything consumer discretionary, whether it be a Skechers, whether it be a, a, a Figs, whether it be a Genrac, you know, we're, we're still short, we're, we're short and constructively negative on. 
Excellent. I appreciate you coming on today. Ben Axler, founder and CIO of Spruce Point Capital Management. And it's something that we'll definitely keep on watch to see how the stories of figs develop. And of course, your other short reports that are out there. We appreciate you coming on and we'll definitely have you back, Ben. Wonderful. Thank you so much. I appreciate the time. Thank you. All right. Like I mentioned there prior to the interview, and I, I feel like it's important, you know, sometimes really looking into companies and thinking about them. Like I said, I really look at the, the competitive advantage. You know, there's one thing revenues and, you know, those will probably uh, kind of come up in audits and, and things like that. But I really try to ask myself a lot of the times, does the company have a true competitive advantage? If the answer is yes, then I feel like long term success is, you know, available to them. But if the answer is no, I think it's short time to live, right? At the end of the day, what we look for these kind of newer companies is innovations. Innovation is really what gets you to that next level, right? Is you doing something different than the competitor is doing. And that's what we need to kind of find for. So here in the story of figs, we'll see what happens. I mean, it has been coming down. And so in my eyes, I look at a stock on the monthlies a lot of the times, and until I can get that trend to change right now, it's still looking kind of, kind of bearish to me, even just on the technical levels, right? So to me, it would need to get back towards, let's say, 20 for it to start getting out of this trend. We'll see what happens there in figs. All right, let's start wrapping on up. It's 2 p.m. We got the roadmap coming on up, and it looks like I wasn't able to get through all the headlines today. So just want to give you one last one here as we kind of get away from it. Uh, just want to make sure that we don't kind of miss this one. I uh, did want to talk about Google and uh, Google's kind of uh, announcing their event on August 6th, October 6th. Um, so definitely keep your eyes on Google to see how it kind of performs here moving forward. And it's something to watch, right? They did a 20 for one split. I'm keeping a close eye on them. They just bounced off that support around the 105. And you also had CEO yesterday of Google talking about how he hopes to improve the efficiency by 20%. He says that he wants Google to run on fewer resources as it faces a skew of challenges to its business. So keep this one on watch. We could get some new headlines coming from Google in the future, whether that be cutting products, combining products, or maybe a layoff, something that I definitely want to keep on watch. We'll see what happens there in Google. Of course, last little peek into the market. Market coming back and coming back fast here, guys. A lot of that, I would guess, NVIDIA staying on up there. And yes, NVIDIA coming back on up today. So look for those to kind of lead. And did Apple take some lead? Yes, it did there, guys. A nice little trade there off the VWAP today. If you're looking at it in a one-hour sense, I talked about it. Look for a close above that 155.40s, and that would give us a sign that it wanted to keep going. There you guys see it. It's starting to push there. We'll see when it comes out of the Apple event. Of course, I'll have a recap for you on at the close. That will be coming up at 3.30 right now. Get you guys over to some roadmap action. Go check out my friend, Chris Ketchy, none other than one of the best journalists out there talking about the NFTs. I think he's talking about some 8Talk. Go, go check it on out. Let me know what you guys think in the NFT space. And if you have any, definitely drop them in to Chris. Let me know. I might come over and hang out. I know tomorrow I'm definitely going to be on the roadmap. So come on over, guys. Let's go ahead and check on out what the roadmap's talking about today. See you next time, guys. Bye. <laughs>
Thank you.